0: I don't know how you all sang with food in your mouths, but uh, I hope you, uh, <laughs> you enjoyed a little bit of food. I'm sure there'll be some left over on the way out. There's plenty of coffee and water for hot chocolate. Um, let me pray. God, we we come before you to worship you to. Uh, to reflect on who you are. And God, we need this. We need this more often than we do it. I pray that this morning as we, as we read your word, that you would change us. Continue to mold us and shape us to be more like your son. Help us to see your work in our lives, your sovereign will, and help us just to rejoice in your power, because you are our king, and you are our father. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you turn it off? <laughs> Thanks. Sorry. Thanks, honey. Uh, We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 30, so if you have a Bible, go ahead and get it out. If you haven't grabbed one of the Isaiah books uh, that that are on the back counter there, please grab one. Those are for you guys to have. Um, We've only got uh, uh, a few more uh, weeks here in Isaiah, so grab it before uh, they go, and then, um, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do with them after that, but uh, anyway, so um, we're going to be reading from the ESV. The slides will be... uh, on the TV as well. Uh, We've been, this whole series has been about that, like looking at the characteristics of God and trying to figure out like, if this is who God is, then how does that affect how I live my life? How does that change uh, my Monday? How does that change what, how I react at work or at school or how, how does that change me living on mission, right? Because we're, we, we we've sent the first part of this year going like we're sent, right? And that, that God has sent us. Um, and so we've been stepping through these things, right? And we've been looking that God reasons with us. He, he doesn't just demand things. He, 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 he pulls us in and explains it to us. He gives us his word. He reveals it over. And if you've been reading Isaiah, you're like, I got it. I got it. You don't like rebellion, Got it, right? Like, he says the same things over and over so that we can understand how he feels about things. And then last week we saw that he disciplines us, he trains us up. we're going to be looking at this morning is we're going to take two, I think, two facts that I think we would all agree on, and I'm going to try to connect them this morning because I don't think we connect them in our minds, okay? So here's the first fact that I think we all, or truth, that we all go to, is that that God is sovereign, and that he has a plan and a purpose for his creation. We good with that? You guys all agree with that? Please? I hope so. (laughs) Okay. All right. We'll start that as the base. That's the foundation, right? So we get that. Over here, we have that God has a plan for your life. That, that he cares about what you do, how you live. Do you guys agree with that? How are these related? Because <laughs> I, think, I think that's the tough part, is we, we see this, and sometimes we're thinking in this mindset, and we're like, okay, yeah, God's working with me, and, and he's disciplining me, and he's training me. And we go, well, I know he's all powerful and he's got a full plan, but how are these two things connected? And that's what we're gonna spend our time looking at. We're gonna see in Isaiah chapter 30 that Israel specifically like, goes off the rails and God's like, that's not my plan for you. That's not what I want for you and that's not part of what my overarching plan is. I want you to live in this way, to, to live on mission to proclaim the gospel, because that's part of my larger plan. You see, we kind of demean ourselves a little bit. We go, and we'll, we'll get to this, but we kind of go, yeah, I know God wants certain things for me, but that's unrelated to his larger plan. But it's not. Biblically, it's not. And so that's what we're going to see this morning. And so what I want us to start with is that, that God has a plan. And when I say that, I want you to think a big plan, okay, macro-level plan, and a little plan for your 90 years, right? Your contribution, your your part of existence is purposeful. God's overarching plan is purposeful. All right, so we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1. And I I, want to back up a little bit. We talked about this a little bit last week. But there's there's a context here, okay? So I'll try to spin you up. Hopefully you've been connecting these things, right? Like these sermons are connected, and so I kind of have to operate off of what the assumptions were from last week, right? So King Hezekiah, the king of Judah, the northern kingdom has been completely invaded by Assyria at this point, right? So their brothers and sisters, like the people that they knew, were now just completely overrun. I think... I think it's something like 27,000 people were pulled out, sent to Assyria. Assyria came in, invaded, basically, and populated the towns with their own people. Um, And so this is what's happening. And in the midst of this, so Assyria is this big, bad beast, right, that's rolling around. Well, Egypt and Edom and Moab are forming an alliance. They're all breaking away from Assyria's rule. And they're going, not on our watch. We're not going to do this, Right? And they're rebelling against this big, bad Assyria. And King Hezekiah goes, I'm going to join that alliance. I'm going to go join Egypt and Moab and Edom, and we're going to fight the big, bad beast that is Assyria. That seems logical. That seems like there's some strategic, military, governmental, political wisdom in that. It's not how God sees it. Verse 1, he says, Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, and who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. So there's a couple of things that we're, we're going we're gonna to get out of those two verses here, right? And we see it very clearly. He says, you, you carried out a plan, but it wasn't my plan. So what God is saying to Israel, you should know my plan. Isn't that the assumption? He's saying, King Hezekiah, you are planning on going down to Egypt. That's not my plan. Why don't you know this? Right? And go back to last week. What is he asking us to do? Inquire of him. Go to him, right? And This is where he connects these things. He says, you're going to make an alliance, but it's not of my spirit, right? Like, this isn't my doing. I don't want you to go and join an alliance with Egypt and Edom and Moab to fight off Assyria. I don't want you to do that. He says that they may add sin to sin, which is interesting, right? He's saying, not only, right, and now, Now, Judah was struggling with rebellion as well, right? Like, they had idols in Judah, right? The northern kingdom was really bad. Judah was still not, you know, great. Um, King Hezekiah was a pretty good guy. But they still had uh, idol worship in Judah. And so he's saying, like, you're already being judged, right? Assyria was being brought in to to judge and to discipline Israel, Judah, And so he's bringing them in because of their sin, but he's like, you're compounding your sin because you got a problem, you're in rebellion, I'm trying to discipline and train you, and then you go and run away and go try to find your own solution. So you're adding sin upon sin, and if you would just inquire of me, if you would just ask me what my will is, I would show you. He says, they go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, and then he's, he, he the the picture here right is like taking refuge in Pharaoh in the shadow of Egypt right it's kind of this like uh, there's a there's another verse I was going to bring in here I, I didn't I probably should have at this point but but like there's in the Psalms it talks about being the shadow of God's wings right like this this idea that we're we're under His protection we're the little birds in their eggshells breaking open, and the mama bird is there, right? Like, there's protection. But they went, I don't want your protection, God. Like, I, I can solve this on my own. I can do this. So what does he do? God sends Isaiah. So Hezekiah's is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Hezekiah doesn't end up doing it. Isaiah comes in, and he goes, don't. Don't. This is not what God wants. This is not what God wants for you. And, and we're reading the words, right, that Isaiah is, is, is writing and speaking. God sends his prophet because he loves Judah, because he loves his people. Last night, we had about 17 people here talking about marriage and parenting and how does the gospel equip us to do that? It was good. It was so good. I could, I, we, I could hang out and talk about that stuff forever. Because you hear people's experiences and you hear how God has worked in their lives. That, and he hasn't worked in my life that way, but he's worked in your life that way. And I get to hear it and be reassured and be comforted. Make no mistake that, like, look around this room. These are other people that God has placed in your life, in your sphere of influence, to speak truths into your life. God is probably not going to send a prophet to walk up to your front door, or ring the doorbell, and go, hey, just wanted to let you know, God sent me, this is what's happening. It's the person you're getting coffee with it's the person you're serving with back at the kids it's the person you're sitting next to or behind or in front of like this is why community is so important because it's in those opportunities and those conversations that god speaks not that not that you guys or me or any of us are gonna be like this is the word of god this is the word of god and now you can say that if you're quoting scripture And sometimes we need just quoting a scripture. But sometimes it's just encouragement. It's a reminder. So this is what God does is he sends Isaiah. And this is what part of what he says. If you fast forward to verse 9, he says, For they are a rebellious people, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord, Who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us smooth things, prophesy illusions, leave the way, turn aside from the path, let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. Here's the tough part when you hear God's truths. They don't fit well into your plans. Right? King Hezekiah is sitting there drafting up whatever they did for an alliance back then. And here comes Isaiah rolling in going, that's not what God wants you to do. And he's like, dude, seriously? We're going to get ruled by Assyria. We've got Egypt, Edom, Moab on our side. Well, <laughs> you got a better plan? Isaiah's like, Well, yes. I don't. God does. <laughs> right? But like, this is we don't we don't like hearing these truths. It's hard. It's hard to speak the truth to people. It's hard for me to speak the truth to you. It's hard for you to speak the truth to me. Actually, we had a great, awesome opportunity to to hear that this week, um, where somebody had to speak something difficult. It's good. It's good because it's godly. It's good because it refines us, it corrects us, it encourages us. That's a good thing. But but what was Israel? They're like, no, 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 give me the smooth stuff. Give me the easy stuff. Tell me what I'm doing is okay. Tell me that my decisions are probably pretty good, and then I can probably figure it out on my own. Tell me that, that as long as I follow my own heart, I'll be all right. What a load. <laughs> right? Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Why would I want to follow my heart? How are we doing in this? Because I think, I think when we read this and we go, I, I just, I don't like conflict. I don't like awkwardness. You guys know this about me. But I think we all are in that same place. And in fact, I would argue that society right now is so afraid of conflict that it's hurting our ability to disciple one another. We're so afraid of offending somebody. But Isaiah wasn't, God's not. This is what Scripture says. I'm not saying, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to well us up into some sort of like judgmental group going, that's a sin and that's a sin, right? Like we're not trying to do that because it turns out we're all sinners. But the question is, is do we know that we're sinning or do we know that how we spoke was not gracious or loving? Or that how we were living or acting was, was causing a stumbling block for somebody else, right? There's, there's a lot of gray space there that just takes wisdom and discernment. And, and honestly, we just, we think about how we're living and we think about that in a vacuum. And that's not how God sees it at all. when we try to connect these two things of God's plan for, for the world, for all of creation and, and his plan for us individually, I think we go to one place where we go, okay, yeah, there's a community of people that could speak into my life. Maybe. But, but oftentimes, I think we think I'm gonna make the best decision I can And God will clean up the mess. God's just the street sweeper behind me. And whatever horrible things lay behind, whatever bad decisions I make, it's fine. God will take care of it. Because his will is going to happen. I know that. I know God's will is going to happen. Then why does it matter what I do? Ever said that? See, I think a lot of times we... We think that God is like our our mother or wife, who you know we we live and we leave stuff around, and she comes around and cleans up. And by the time I turn around, everything's cleaned up, and I'm like, just keep going, right? There's nothing wrong. It just it just cleans the house. Cleans itself. This is incredible but I think we see that from from God's perspective. We go, he's going to fix it. We know that nothing's going to stop his will, and so why does it actually matter what I do? And all the time, God's going, you should know my will. You should know what I want for you. You see how these things are in conflict with each other? Like, we got to be going to God going... Uh, God, how are you training me? How are you disciplining me in this? I want to know your will for my life because you're using my life to accomplish your sovereign will. That's the crazy part about all of this, right? That God, the creator of the universe, somehow, for some reason, wants us to participate with him. He didn't He didn't have to do that. And in fact, when we look at, at the, 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 the good news of Jesus Christ is that, that God sends Jesus right, to die on the cross for the sins of the world and it's this macro level thing. But why is he doing that? To take all the sins away, to pay for his the the what the punishment that they deserve to absorb Jesus absorbed God's wrath. And then on the other side, what is he doing? He's reconciling us to God. He's fixing our relationship with God. So it's this very specific, loving, kind thing to us. But in the grand scheme, he's solving a major problem with humanity and our rebellion. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's, that's how these things connect is that somehow, some way God didn't just like spin the top on the table and walk away and go, I don't know, we'll see what happens with the universe. I'll come back in a bit and see if it's still spinning. That's not, he's, he's personal, he's, he's here, he's part of us. If, if you're a believer, if you trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us, to equip us, to convict us to remind us, to help us recall scripture, to be our comforter. And God is here. Where two or more gather, he promises that he'll be there. Like this is a this is an intimate God. This isn't some God that just goes, "I'm just going to poof create this thing and then see what happens." He's he's in the mix. He's in the mix in your life. He's in the mix in my life. He's in the mix of this entire plan of creation. So here's, here's the ironic part of all of this. So you have this God who has this amazing, beautiful, sovereign plan that's going to happen, and then you have jacked up us, <laughs> who, who run every which way except for the way that he wants us to go often. And so there's there's another piece that comes with God's purposeful plan, his strength his strategy, his methods, his, his overarching sovereign will. that so he's patient. He's infinitely patient with us. We talked about this last night with our kids. <laughs> he's so patient with us. Because while we do this, he goes, no, come back. Come back. You should know my will. Come back. Let me train you. Let me discipline you, patiently, waiting and waiting. And we read this, um, if you would, right. Uh, you can write in your your Bibles or take a note or whatever. Second Peter, chapter three, verse nine. Actually, verse eight. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a, is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He's not slow. He's patient. He's patient. Romans 2.4. Paul says a similar thing here. He says, um, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? You see, God's patient with us. Whether we're talking about his will or just our lives. waiting he's patiently waiting for us to inquire of him so that we can know his will so that we could live and rejoice in him psalm 37 verse 5 commit your way to the lord trust in him And he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. You see, when when we start trying to think about God's plan for our lives, we get get antsy. all right? Just like King Hezekiah did, right? He was like, I got to make this alliance. I don't have time to wait. I don't have time to go to God. I need to move. And God's going, patience. I'm I'm achieving my will here. Inquire of me. Let me lead you. Commit your way to me. Trust me. Trust me in this. See, King Hezekiah, um, and it makes sense He kind of needed to figure out a solution quickly. He's going to get overrun. Assyria is starting to invade Judah. And he's getting antsy. And you guys, there's two responses that we often have when it relates to God's will. And and really, it's it's the fruit of our impatience. And while God's this patient God that's got this plan, and we know he's got a plan for us, and we've got a role in all of this. We just, we just don't have the time for it. We don't, we don't see the connection between these two things. We're, we're going off and we're just like, yeah, God will solve these things. And we just don't, we don't think about them. And and our impatience creates two things, two, two different ways that we can respond to this. Sometimes we just give up. Sometimes we, we give up because God's asking us to wait. And we hate waiting. Don't we? He goes, endure, persevere. I'm training you. I'm disciplining you. Hang on. This is good. I'm not late. I'm not slow. I'm right on time or God is never late and so he goes don't give up but everything in us goes I'm done with this I got to make a decision and I, I will tell you admittedly like this I've, I've done this many times and I think I think we all do because we just don't like being uncomfortable. We like being in control. We like just making decisions. And so sometimes we just give up. And we go, "You know what? It is what it is." And we we go to this. We go, oh, "God's plan. He'll f- he'll figure it out. He'll clean up my mess after me." I'm I'm done. I I don't I don't want to persevere. I don't want to keep working hard. I don't I don't want to do this. The the other option that we have is that we just make a decision. We just we just Act impetuously, rashly, and we, we're just we're just going. Right? We're just going as fast as we can. This one maybe describes me a little bit better. Because <laughs> the number of times I've made decisions without consulting God is heart wrenching to me. And and I look back at it and I can just see God's grace. It's like, dude. You should have talked to me about that one. But it's okay. There you go. And I think he does that. I think he does that. That's, that's our patient God. He loves us. He's not always sitting there ready to beat us with a rod. Sometimes we need it. <laughs> but not always. And I look at moves, job changes, house purchases, they don't get much bigger than that, do they? What fuels that? It's our pride, right? What causes impatience? Our arrogance. It's our arrogance that says, I don't need to wait on God. I am fully capable of looking at my finances, of weighing pros and cons, and making a decision. And it's true. We are. And King Hezekiah's decision was probably financially sound, politically savvy, diplomatically good, and God goes, no, And he says no because of this beautiful plan that he has. And we'll we'll get to it at the end. But he says, no, wait. Wait on me. Because I'm trying to do something here. And I want you to participate in it. Now, if you go this way, that's great. It's fine. Not like casting you off in outer darkness or anything like that. I still love you, but you don't get to participate in this. And I want you to. I want you to see how I'm using you in other people's lives. It, to, to, right? as, as we read this and God's like, he's not slow. He's, he's waiting for people to come in and to trust in him, and he wants to use us to do that. But do we give him the time of day? Do we give him an opportunity to use us? Um, the story of Jonah, Uh I didn't bookmark this page, (laughs) now you're all gonna challenge my ability to find, what's that, somebody, Micah, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, (laughs) Minor prophets, that was good, I just, just, (laughs) you know the story of Jonah, right? We always, we always, honestly, we usually stop at chapter three, (laughs) because chapter four isn't, isn't the fun part of it, right? So, so in chapters one through three, God says, Jonah, go to Nineveh, God's big plan. I want you to go to Nineveh as a prophet. I want you to speak to them. Cause help them to see their sin and rebellion and turn to me. Jonah goes, nah. I got things going on. I'm busy. Oh, by the way, they're jerks. We don't like them. So even more so, Jonah's like, I have no desire to go to Nineveh. And God goes, I didn't ask. And so what does Jonah do? He goes the opposite direction. He's like, I'm out of here, which is cute, right? And then we have this amazing story of a fish (laughs) spits Jonah out of the land of Nineveh, right? It's like, okay. Jonah's probably sitting there going, all right, well, apparently I can't go anywhere. I I guess I have to do this. And he preaches to Nineveh. You guys know what happens? Nineveh repents. Hallelujah, this is amazing, fantastic. Jonah's happy, right? Not at all, not at all. Jonah chapter four, verses one and two. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. He goes, I know who you are, God. You're going to save the Ninevites whether I participate in it or not. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. God was going to save Nineveh, whether Jonah went or not. And Jonah's all, can't think of the word. Anyway, he's angry. (laughs) The right words weren't coming into my head that I can say from the stage, right? So he wasn't happy. (sighs) Why? Why? Because it disturbed his life, his his idea of what he wanted to do. And God's like, hang on one second here, my creation. I thought I created you for my purposes. Jonah's like, I had an event this weekend. <laughs> I can't go to Nineveh. You see, God wants to use us in our life for His amazing, glorious purposes. But it takes patience on our part, and it takes us inquiring of the Lord: going, "What do you? What do you want? What's your plan for me? What's your, what's your big plan?" Maybe we just need to think bigger. Maybe we think that, like, our our influence and, and the communications that we have are just throwaway communications, but God's going, no, you can speak gospel truth. You can save somebody's life in this room by speaking a gospel truth. You can rescue their marriage. You can equip them in parenting. You can reassure them in their faith. Are those big deals? Yeah. But I was planning on <laughs> You see, when we start operating off of our pride and the lives that we've the lives that we've built for ourselves. And the calendar—I'll I'll show you my calendar. It's not—it's humorous. I mean, partly because we now have you know, five people inputting into one calendar. Well, not really. Anyway, I don't know how we operate without a calendar beforehand. But now, I mean, it, it's dumb. It's just dumb—the amount of things. And I, I'm not this. This is this is confession, not bragging. Okay, just so we're clear, right? Like, like we start looking at things and we're like, man, yeah. I'd love to do that abstractly. I just can't find the time and the life that I've built to do this. You see there's there's a faith problem there. because we're trusting in ourselves than we are trusting in God. And this is the author of Hebrews. It connects these two in Hebrews chapter six verse 10 he says, "For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He ties faith and patience together. Right? Like our living our lives, our operating inside of our own little sphere of influence and going, this is my safe place because this is the calendar and the world that I've built. And, I don't, and God's still going to do this, and, and I trust that. But I don't trust that he wants me to be a part of that. I'm not a necessary part of that. And yet that's where God wants to show us the blessings. I mean, this, that's what he says here. He's not going to overlook your work and the love that you've shown. Like, like, you're going to see the fruit of it. You're going to get to see people changed. God's doing it. You're not doing it, but you're the tool that he's using. Not, you know, in the good sense. Right? Like, you're, God wants to use you. He wants to use us. And maybe you're gonna to get to watch a heart changed. Have you seen a heart change? Maybe you're gonna see God change somebody's life in a way that you go, dude, you are so good, God. It's of eternal consequence. And you what'd you do? I didn't do it. I didn't change the heart. But I got to speak God's truth to him. How rewarding is that for us? Have you experienced that? I got to be honest. Not as much as I would like. Can you guys say the same thing? Think about that. Think about one person in your life right now that you're like, man, I would love to see God just train wreck them and just completely change their lives and just Just change it all. Imagine that happens after you spoke God's truth to them. Would you sleep well that night? When would you go, that's it? That's why I'm here. That's my purpose. All right, back to Isaiah. So, so, he he speaks, Isaiah speaks these truths. And if you look in verse 15, God's like, God, God goes, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. What does what he require? He's like, just just come back to me. Just Just return to me. Rest. There's peace in this. He goes, I got this. I've got a better solution for your life than you do. Do you guys believe that? And then skip down to verse 18. It says, therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. <laughs> what sweet words. This is what Isaiah is saying to Hezekiah. It's like, Wait for him. This is what he wants you to do. Trust him. And King Hezekiah does. He's like, you know what? All right, I'm not going to do it. I don't know if I trust it's going to work out, but I'm not going to do it. And we live like that often, don't we? All right, God. If this is what you're saying, this is the way you're leading me, I'm going to trust in you. And God promises us strength. You know what happens? I mean, I talked about it last week. Assyria rolls through Judah, all the way up to Jerusalem. You gotta have been thinking, Hezekiah's like, "I knew it, I knew it." Isaiah, you're a false prophet. <laughs> Get out of here. And then what does God do? He rescues them miraculously. The Assyrians wake up in the morning, and 187,000 187, are dead. And the king of Assyria goes, I'm out. And this big, bad behemoth of a military turns around and runs. And who gets the glory? God does. There's nobody else to get the glory. Nobody else caused it to happen. That's what our God wants. He's like, can I just show you my power? (laughs) Can I just show it to you for a second here? I, I need you to wait for me. I need you to do my will, but I'm going to show you something. You're going to be pretty impressed, <laughs> right? So this is what our God wants to do because what does that cause in us? Faith upon faith upon faith. We go, I've seen him work. I've seen him do things. He, like like Warren said, he's made a way where there's no way. And some of you can, can tell those stories, and you know what? There's other people in here that need to hear them. I need to hear them. We all need to hear them. Because when God moves, when he works, when he does these things, he gets the glory, and we get reaffirmed in our faith. And we get hope and peace and contentment. And so, so, so how does this connect? How does our life connect in with God's plan for the entire universe? He wants us to participate. He he, he has reconciled us through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. He's, He's bridged that gap. We're not enemies to God anymore if we confess in Christ. And he goes, you're not my enemies. In fact, you're my ambassadors. And I need you to go and do my will. Let me pray.